Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. So, we are finally getting to the mid part of Ephesians, chapter 3. And actually, I kind of just want to touch on verse 1 today of chapter 3 because I know there's a lot within chapter 3 that Paul wants to bring light And he kind of goes off into a more deeper thought within his thinking. So he starts off by talking about him being a prisoner of Christ. And then he goes off onto another point before getting back to what he wants to say about him being a prisoner for Christ. Because he picks that back up in verse 14 of that chapter. So from verses 2 all the way down to 13, we are getting something from Paul, kind of like an add-on, um, something else on top of what he wants to say. And it's, it's pretty interesting to read through that, all of chapter 3 going into chapter 4, and, and we see where his mind is going um, and, and the things that he is saying. Uh So, let's go ahead and begin. Let's actually read from verse 11 of chapter 2 all the way on to chapter 3, verse 1, through all the way to the verse 13. So, verse 11 of chapter 2, it says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh call the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, 
in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Chapter 3. For, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that, that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So that was chapter 2, verse 11, all the way on to chapter 3, verse 13. So you see where Paul's mind is being shifted um, because he wants to say this is the reason why I, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, and then he goes on uh, to something else before he gets back to that in verse 14 because then he finally uh, it states the reason. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And, and he goes on, but we will touch on that next time or, or later. Um, but this time, I just want us to focus on what Paul said in chapter 3, verse 1. It's pretty interesting. Uh, he says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. So Paul is writing this letter as he is sitting in prison. And he is encouraging the saints uh, who are in Ephesus. He's encouraging them and letting them know of the gospel. Uh, just, just know this, that Paul writing down the gospel and saying, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, right? So so he, he starts going off on where the Gentiles was and what Christ did and how Christ brought them near and how Christ actually brought the Jews near as well because Jesus preached peace to both who were once far off and those who were near, right? The Jews were near but not near enough. And Jesus is this Prince of Peace who has come, this ruler of peace, this captain of peace. And... 
for both, for Gentiles and the Jews. And Paul here in chapter 3, verse 1, uh, we, we see him saying that for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Now, know this, that Paul didn't say that he's a prisoner of Rome. Paul could have said, I am a prisoner of Caesar. Caesar put me here, so I am his prisoner. Uh, no, actually, Paul is encouraged um, in the reason why he is in prison in the first place. He is in a prison in the first place on behalf of you Gentiles. So what was Paul's main mission, main role as apostle? Well, God made him an apostle for the Gentiles. And, and what is he called to do? Well, he is called to bring light to the gospel to the Gentiles, right? Because at one time, the Jews, the Jewish nation, uh, they were known as God's people and everyone else was known as not God's people, right? So that that is the best way I can put it. Um, and that's why... The Jews gave the Gentiles their name, the uncircumcision, right? Because it says, um, it says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. Who called them that? By what is called the circumcision. So the Jews, the circumcision, actually gave the Gentiles, the uncircumcision, their name. And that is interesting because that, that just means that you are not the ones who received this um, circumcision that signifies that we are of God's people. We are God's people. The uncircumcision didn't have that physical aspect of circumcision therefore the jews gave them their name the uncircumcision so basically saying yeah you are not of god we are because we are the circumcision but paul is making this point that jesus came and preached peace to both those who were far off and those who are near and then he goes on to what is happening. Christ is bringing everything together and bringing everything together to himself, right? Uh, chapter 1. All right, so verse, let's see, verse 21 and 22 and 23. It says, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And we know that this mystery, right? In verse 9 of chapter 1, it says, Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth. So this is what Christ is doing. He's bringing unity, or you could say he is bringing peace. He is this prince of peace. Or in other portion of scripture, Jesus is referenced as the God of peace. Um, so when we get into chapter 3, verse 1, whenever Paul says this, that he is a prisoner for 
Christ and not for Caesar is because the reason he is put in prison in the first place is for our sake, for our good, for the Jew or for the Gentiles' good, right? For the church of Ephesus and everyone who is within that area and everywhere Paul has gone to. Because what is Paul's role is to preach this gospel, is to bring light this mystery, right? He goes on and in verse 6 of chapter 3, um, he says this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ through, through what? Through the gospel. So apart from this gospel, it is impossible for us to realize what God has done for us, right? If you guys are uh, following along, if you guys can go to chapter 2 of Corinthians, go to chapter f- or 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's what I meant to say. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And listen to this. Listen to this, what it says. I'm going to read, start from verse 15. It says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not cease or we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an internal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What is Paul saying here? Well, Paul is basically saying that he is putting, being put under this kind of suffering for the sake of the Gentiles, right? And here he is saying this is nothing but a light momentary affliction. Can anyone say that while being chained up in chains because you are preaching peace to everyone? Right? Maybe you are being malnourished while you're in prison. Be in while in prison. Calling you to renounce Christ and everything that you have preached. And never do it, never do it again. Um, Paul calls this a light momentary affliction. And it says, it is preparing for us what? See, Paul is thinking beyond what he sees here. Because we should recognize, we should see what? Actually, God has prepared for us what is waiting for us. Uh, we're going to be for an eternity with Him, right? We're going to be with God forever. So anything that happens to us in this world, in this time now, uh, uh, it, it shouldn't really matter unless it's for Christ's sake, right? Which is the gospel. The gospel is to be revealed to everyone. Now, there's going to be hostility to those who are perishing, right? They're going to hate the gospel. They're going to hate the preaching. And they're going to hate that there is forgiveness in God if you repent and turn to Christ alone for your salvation, right? Believe in Him. Trust in Him. 
uh, th- those who are perishing, they hate that message. But those who are not perishing, those who are actually are God's elect, will hear that call of the gospel, and they will they will come to God. They will bow their knee and ask for forgiveness, and God will extend His mercy and grant them that forgiveness. So for Paul, Paul is thinking beyond this time now, right? So us, how do we apply this to us? Well, we should recognize that. We shouldn't be down in the dumps if the world hates the gospel message. Actually, God said that the world is going to hate it. Uh, but God has called us uh, to do this very thing, to preach the gospel, to um, tell this good news to everyone. But see, if those who are in darkness think that they are good without God, they don't need God, um, or they worship a different false god, right? So they're, they're worshiping, but they're not worshiping the true god. They're worshiping false gods. Um, they also need to know this good news. Because the thing about it is their eternity is at stake. How much you as a believer care about your eternal life how much more should you care about the eternal life of everyone else around you? Right? God has called us to love God and love neighbor. So if we love neighbor, we're going to warn them about the cliff that they're about to fall over. Right? And this cliff is uh, basically you fall down into this lake of fire. And what we are called to do as Christians who have this gospel is to proclaim this truth so that they may hear this truth. And if they are God's elect, they will hear. They will turn around. And instead of falling over that cliff, they will stop. You see, we are to be assertive when it comes to letting them know that there is a cliff. Right, We want to stop them because they're going head first into this, um, into perishing. And, and we do not want them to perish. We don't want anyone to perish. So we want to give them the gospel, right? And that's why Paul suffering is saying that it is a good thing. You know, this is actually a light momentary affliction. So he is recognizing that. In this life, even if you're in prison for 50 years for preaching Christ and Christ crucified, is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory, he says, beyond all comparison. That means there's nothing that you can compare this eternal weight of glory to. Nothing. And this is how we should have our mindset. We should see beyond what we can see here. Right, As we look not to the things that are seen, he says, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Right? And if you guys also, like I said, if you guys are following along, 1 Corinthians, now go back. Yeah, so 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards 
of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human in human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light all the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor against um, in favor of one against another. Right, so Paul is letting us know what is happening um, about this revelation that is going to be revealed ultimately whenever Christ returns. But we are given this mandate to proclaim Christ and Christ crucified because that's what he says in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. Right? Verse 2, it says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right? Because he says, I came to you, brothers, um, and, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Right? No, we are given uh, the word of God, and we are called to preach the word of God, to proclaim the word of God. And not only that, if you are a believer, you were given the gospel, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So if that is true then we should say this. We should be able to say, you know, I decided to know nothing about you, among you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Right? We should say that to everyone we give this good news to. Right? So there's this mystery that was hidden, but it is revealed in Christ. Paul is writing this. Now, let's go back to Ephesians. And then Paul finally lets us know. He says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Then he lets us know about this mystery that was revealed. And what is this mystery? It is the mystery of the gospel. And what is the mystery of the gospel? Is that everyone, or I should say anyone, could be saved, can be saved. But the thing about it is, not everyone's going to come to Christ. And that is the, the sad reality. And it's because of the hostile heart. The hostile heart hates God, does not want anything to do with God. And this is why we ask God to change their hearts. Because no one can change their hearts. They cannot change their own hearts. So as believers, we are to be faithful to God's word. We are to proclaim God's word, teach God's word, his truth, 
um, the gospel, we should be able to know it. It's Christianity 101. It is the basics. It is the milk upon which we drank and began to grow and finally moved on to the meat. If you have done so, if you're still drinking milk, you need to set that aside and begin eating meat. And what I mean is that if all we know about God is that he loves us, and you say God wants the best for us, God wants us to be happy, well, an unbeliever can say that, and their happiness is rooted in sin. Therefore, God does not want them to be happy because they are happy in sin. See, there must be a heart change. Right? So once we start learning more and more about God, we start recognizing how much God hates sin, how much God hates the sinner and why his wrath was poured out on Christ in the first place for all of those who believed in him and will believe in him. You see, sin is what put Christ on the cross. If we continue to sin, that sin Christ paid for on the cross. We put Christ on the cross. And Christ said, I will take your punishment. See, see, that is a crazy thing to think about, that somebody would pay our fine. Our, the fine that we wouldn't be able to pay for in eternity, because we would pay for it in hell forever. We, won't, we would not see the end of it. Because for the wages of sin is death. Death is our payment. Because our work is sin. And we worked it. Right? But let me uh, finish off in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to read verses 1 through 4. Because this is Paul's mind. He's always preaching the gospel to the believers. He's always giving this gospel and reminding them, remember that at one time, remember this. Uh, Jesus, whenever we uh, partake of the Lord's Supper, uh, wants us to remember um, what that represents. It represents Christ. It represents uh, what he did, him being poured out as a drink offering, right? Jesus bled. Jesus' body was broken uh, for our sake. And that is why we do it. We proclaim Christ's death whenever we take the Lord's Supper. But yeah, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1 through 4. It says, Now I would remind you, so here we go, Paul reminding the believers, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So there it is. There's the, the condensed gospel, what Christ did, what Christ has done. And he says, this is by which, this is the gospel that was preached to us that we received um, in which we stand, right? We are 
standing in grace now. We are no longer under God's condemnation, but we're under God's grace and his mercy. And it says in verse 2, And by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. So, right? So, so this will not be fully revealed until Christ returns. Obviously, because our flesh is still deteriorating. It's dying away. Um, everything in nature is dying. But see, Christ is going to bring all of this back to himself. And when the redemptions of the Son happens, meaning whenever the believers are redeemed and are resurrected, it says in the scriptures that even creation groans. They, it, it waits for the redemption of us, of uh, believers. And it says, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, for I delivered to you as a first importance. So this is what is important above all things. What I also received. And what is it? It is this gospel that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So there it is. And Paul is not just pulling this out of the hat. He says that Jesus was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So he's pointing back to God's word, God's truth, and saying, this is where I'm getting my information from. And he's also saying in verse 3, um, Christ died for our sins. And where does that say? Well, he says in accordance with the scriptures. We look back to the scriptures and we see Christ being revealed um, as the years go on, right? So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that's called the proto-evangelism or proto-evangelion, which means like the first gospel. This is what it says. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, right? So offspring is in reference to one child. And this one child is speaking of Jesus. And it says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So Jesus is the head crusher and his heel was bruised. And that is a picture of Christ being put on the cross. But Jesus bruising the head of the offspring of the serpent. It says here, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. Okay, so he's speaking to the serpent and saying that he shall bruise your head. This offspring will bruise your head, will crush your head. Jesus is the head crusher. We move on and we see David and Goliath. And, and what did David do? He defeated Goliath with one stone to the head. And then what does he do after? He cuts off his head with his own sword. David is the head crusher, and he is also a representation of Christ, right? A picture of Christ. And then we move on until finally we get to Jesus. And what did he do? Well, he died on a cross, and then he rose from the grave and that is the gospel and that is the gospel we should believe and trust and if you do believe it you want to give this gospel to everyone because we love our neighbor so my thing for y'all is love your neighbor as you love yourself love god and love neighbor 
This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero.